Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 72 of the Our Weekly Highlights podcast. We're back at it again and are kicking off the month of April with another great batch of highlights to talk about. My name is Eric Nance, and as always, I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Mike Thomas. Hello, Mike. How are you doing today? Doing great, Eric. It's good to be back this week. We've got some three highlights. Yeah, and they're all of a package flavor. You know, if you like your art packages, you've come to the right place this time. And also your uh, trusty host here did a lot more technical checking before we got this one underway. That's an Easter egg for those of you that listened to last week. But yes, let's um, kick things off now. And a special thank you to our curator for this week, who was also heavily involved last week, Rio Nakagorora. And he had some gracious help, as usual, from our team members of our weekly and our contributors around the world. So let's start with our package uh, branded highlights today, which actually all have a different piece in kind of this overall data science workflow. So we're going to kick things off with what is almost always a starting point to all manners of data analysis, no matter if they're simple explorations or they're the most sophisticated machine learning and deep learning algorithm pipelines you can throw at it. And that's, of course, the data itself. Now, in the ideal case, we would be able to rely on, say, the structure and the underlying formats of the data either not changing or at least us being aware ahead of time if any major changes are on the horizon. Now, in real-world practice, I've experienced my fair share of seeing inexplicable results of fitting maybe a previously trained machine learning model on a refreshed uh, source of data and having a pretty difficult time tracking down the source of the problems. Well, that's one thing where being prospective and not reactionary to these potential data issues is both time that's saved for future you and also maybe for an entire team behind these production analytical pipelines. So with that perspective in mind, our first highlight today reveals a promising new package to sound the warnings of data issues arising quickly. So David Nuserling, who recently joined the MasterCard Economics Institute as an R engineer, and by the way, congratulations on that, David. It's actually pretty cool to see R engineer actually in a job title. That's, that's progress, as you might say. I saw that job description come across and I thought that was super cool. Yep, and he definitely deserves that. He's been a very leading member in a lot of issues with R, especially in the context of machine learning. Well, he's authored a new post on his blog announcing his new R package called Exemplar. Now it's currently available on GitHub. As of now, it's not on CRAN, but it looks like he could be coaxed into it perhaps. But Exemplar brings a use this like vibe to constructing validation checks of a supplied data set by auto-generating validation functions all conveniently wrapped in a single function ready for use. Now for typical data sets, the validation checks include, say the class of the data object, maybe context-aware checks of numeric data variables, perhaps the presence of particular variables if you requested that, and various other checks that are initially commented out easy to enable. Now, a key design principle David employs in this package is that the generated function 
do not require the use of community R packages. Hence, every function that's created by Exemplar can be executed on a basic R installation. Now, some might say, why would we want to do this? Well, I think this is especially important in situations where either we don't have control over the R installation used in a production environment, or we want to minimize the footprint of an R installation inside perhaps a container spun up as part of a CI-CD pipeline. Those are just two examples, but there's probably many more. What's nice is that you can opt in to additional checks of say a numeric variables range, which is great for situations when perhaps a data entry error could wreak havoc on downstream analytical results where you'll still get a quote result, but it just may not make a lot of sense. And his post concludes by discussing where Exemplar fits in the growing set of R packages dedicated to assertion and integrity checks. It is certainly not trying to replace the excellent packages such as assert that and asserter, but instead gives users a quick way to set up a checking suite of functions with a low barrier of entry. So as I read this, I was thinking, boy, I wish I'd invested on this a lot sooner if I'd known about it. But it's better late than never than to put some data validation principles into a more sophisticated pipeline. So, Mike, what was your take on Exemplar and where you think it could be useful at? I'm always fascinated by packages that return our code as their output. I think it's a tricky thing to ensure when you're doing that, that your output looks aesthetically comprehensible to the user so that they can read the function in the console and understand it without having to copy, paste, and format it somewhere else. And looking at the source code on, on GitHub, it looks like David made use of the Styler package, which is part of the Tidyverse. And it, admittedly, that's that's one that I haven't tried out yet, but definitely need to. I, I believe that Styler is probably the most commonly used for its RStudio add-in that sort of comes with it when you install it. That helps you format your code right through the RStudio UI. Um, but it's great to know that the Styler package allows you to accomplish this through code as well. You know, I'm not sure if there's if, if there exists a universal methodology for validation checks in R. You know, there are so many ways to go about accomplishing roughly the same thing when it comes to validation, whether that be matching column names to a, a vector of character strings or checking argument types. But I really enjoyed seeing how David goes about accomplishing these things in the output code from the exemplar function. And I think this package has the potential to be a huge time saver, especially for you know data engineers or, or anyone that's building data pipelines who want to ensure that the data that comes into the pipeline each day, each week, or maybe even each hour, you know, meets the structural assumptions that we hold for that data. You know, for example, column X should be numeric, column Y should only include the values A, B, or C, et cetera. So I'm super excited to use this package. I imagine that it might grow as the community potentially pitches in on this package that's on GitHub. And, and like you said, maybe one day, if David's inspired enough, uh, it'll make its way all the way to Cram. Yeah, I, I, I can think of at least two or three situations in the last year, year and a half, where had we put this kind of verification front end to new data that was coming in that was basically scraped from multiple online portals or databases that we were given access to in a 
proprietary fashion, who are not always so transparent on the new schemas they're going to implement or the new variables that are coming in. Um, you get some really cryptic errors downstream, even in, say, a Shiny app or just in a ML, like, say, result output step. And you'll get your customers wondering, wait, when I ran this prediction a couple of weeks ago, the results weren't this wacky. And we're like, well, we didn't change the algorithm. It's still trained as of like a month ago. And then sure enough, yeah, there's a new variable that maybe we weren't accounting for. Or worse yet, there was a particular you know record that just had like an extra zero inside or something to that effect. It's one of those things where if you can be ahead of that, believe me, the time savings are more than worth it. And it seems like exemplar can be a great, like, like a starting point to trying to put this more mainstream into your respective analytical pipelines. I think sometimes I would get intimidated by the other packages, not that they were hard to use by any means, but there's a lot to them. And sometimes I think you just need that little extra nudge to see what the potential is. And then maybe down the road, you can opt into the more rigorous setup that a certer or some of the other family of function or functions from other packages point blanks, another one that gets a lot of praise. So there there's lots of ways to, to hone in on this, but I would say, especially those that are just starting their pipelines. I think this is an excellent, you know, jumpstart to making that more robust. Definitely. And, and like you said, especially I think from a machine learning standpoint, if you're not already thinking about doing this sort of data validation around the data that's that's coming into your organization that you're training these models with and, and then and scoring against these models, if you're not thinking about building these validation checks in around the data, you really need to start thinking about it because you know as soon as some new product comes into your organization that your model wasn't trained on, the model's not going to know any better and it will probably find a way to make a prediction on that and that prediction will be bogus and it, it hopefully won't hurt you too much but um i've seen a lot of use cases where there were some pretty bad outcomes because folks didn't have uh, th that sort of validation around the data that was coming in yep that was actually a theme of a um a conference a virtual conference i took part in earlier this year called data mishaps where maybe some of us didn't quite have all those checks in place and yeah we we learned from our um our adventures and I being one of them. So it was, it was a good time on that one for sure. And then as we think about kind of that next stage in your analytical journey, that's a good way to lead into what our next package highlight is when we talk about actually performing analysis or performing some kind of function on say an input data set or some other input object, running these analytics and trying to figure out are things working well are things not working well? Getting more perspective on that front. Now, when I've tried this in the past, I won't say I've, uh, I've done a great job on it, but I have tried adding logging to my analytical pipelines using calls to the various packages like the logger package to kind of periodically in a workflow determine, okay, are, th are these variables matching up? Am I getting the right setup here? Am I seeing the right trends in the output? And if I wrote a custom function, I would often add these optional arguments to say, okay, do we want logging in here? Yes or no. And if so, I add some conditional code to opt into that. So much like how we saw 
in our first highlight, a low setup approach to data validation. Our next package highlight brings a highly regarded design principle from computer science to the space of logging the execution of functions in R. Bruno Rodriguez, statistician and fellow producer of awesome R content on YouTube, makes another appearance on R Weekly Highlights with the announcement of his new R package, Chronicler. The major feature of Chronicler is a way to decorate any existing R function with a handy wrapper function called record, which transforms the output of the function into an object of class Chronicler. With handy methods for extract function execution, any errors or warnings, and the output itself. The usage of Chronicler really shines, in my opinion, with the creating of a chain of function calls in a piping framework where you can pass the results of these bind record calls seamlessly, even with a new operator that's very similar to a pipe. A really neat capability is a way to pass another function that is executed. In, during each logging event. With the example that Bruno highlights of say recording the dimensions of a data frame during each analytical step. So Bruno as usual does a great job explaining the practicalities of the package. And now what exactly did I mean at the top by saying this is a design pattern from computer science? Well, that is called monads, which admittedly not many, even including me, are able to explain 100% clearly, but I actually have a funny story about this. I first heard about monads mentioned way back at the 2016 Shiny Developer Conference in Joe Chang's often cited slides about climbing the shiny ladder of knowledge as the highest rung to climb. I have not reached that point yet, folks. <laughs> I'm not sure if I ever will. So basically the explanation I can give is that monads are a way to enhance a function's execution and output without having to change the source of the function itself. And it sounds like Bruno may actually bring us additional content about monads in the future, which I will be watching with great interest so that I can actually understand more fully what these are about. But nonetheless, the fact that this concept is wrapped so, so concisely in Chronicler is a great step in this next stage of this analytical work that I've been highlighting here of being more prospective on when issues arise in analysis execution. So my Chronicler looks like a pretty, you know, riveting and new paradigm for, you know, keeping track of what's happening in a pipeline. What's your take on that? Yeah, it seems like this episode so far, we're showcasing some of the more maybe meta our tools that folks in the community are building out. Really cool. It's interesting how all the highlights this week are our packages and none of which are on CRAN yet, including Chronicler. Um, but I wonder if there's some sort of future where we'll actually look to GitHub more often than we'll look to CRAN. I don't know, but it seems like that we might be trending that way a little bit, at least in our highlights. Um, logging to me in R seems like it's still a somewhat not fully solved problem. I think there's so many different ways to go about building logs uh, that aren't just a bunch of print statements. And that is a message for myself to uh, take to heart. And I think that, that this package and David's data validation package are, are a great opportunity for data scientists and data engineers or architects to begin working together if they're not already to really build good production practices 
into your models or data science uh, products. It, it's so cool to me that you can pipe these chronicler recorded functions, uh, these functions that, that you wrap in the record function from the chronicler package into each other, such that the output provides the logs for each recorded function. And I will also note that the author used uh, the new base pipe to demonstrate this in the blog, which is another win for me as a base R pipe enthusiast. And <laughs> I will absolutely admit that the Monad stuff is, is over my head at this point, but I am looking forward to digging into that a little bit more. Yeah, I um, there are a lot of these interesting concepts that you start see wrapping in these packages. And it actually it did remind me as I was researching this, that we got a taste of something like this from the per package. If you recall, they have functions called safely and possibly where you can kind of transform an existing function so that when it airs out, it doesn't like air out your whole R session. It will actually return an object where you can parse the error out. Little did I know that we could, you know, take that to an even greater level than what a chronicler is doing but it just shows the power of object-oriented programming and being you know, very uh, forward-thinking into what these objects are both just printing when you view them in the console, but also what you can do to extract them in more sophisticated um, pipelines. So I'll definitely be giving this a play probably later this year as I start building out some new uh, analytical uh, pipelines, especially those that are dealing with more than one anal an analytical function. Maybe it's got a whole bunch of other things to set things up and interpret output and things of that nature. So definitely watching this space for sure. And we couldn't have an R Weekly Highlights podcast about at least some form of awesome visualization extensions. And so Mike, we've got a new package in the works that takes ggplot2 into new directions. What do you have to tell us about this? Yeah, this package is called GG Braid. Again, it's on GitHub. Uh, you can download the development version. Um, I could have sworn that we had an R Weekly episode last year, maybe, where one of the highlights was a blog post about how to do the exact thing that this package accomplishes. So maybe you'll have to dig that up for us. Well, good news. We have. We have. Yep. Um, so you are right, Mike. Your intuition is spot on as always. So we'll have a link in the show notes to um neil's write-up from his blog that explored this concept in great detail i knew it so it was neil himself he didn't steal it from somebody else but in his words from the the package repo on github which does a better job of explaining this that, than i could this gg braid package he developed provides a new stat called stat underscore braid that extends the functionality of the geom ribbon function from ggplot so it, it, it's always tricky to articulate data viz on a podcast, but the use case here for this package is when you have maybe two lines on a line chart that intersect across various points in time, and you want to shade the region in between those lines. However, you, know, you want the shaded region to be one color when line A is above line B, but then a different color when line B is above line A. And this is what GG Braid helps accomplish. And in a really nice and concise syntax that makes it really easy to spell out exactly what you're trying to do. I can see this being applicable maybe in finance where you, you have one line for revenue and another line for expenses. And then the color in the shaded region represents, you know, whether you had a profit or loss based upon which line is higher. So I'm excited to start using GG Braid. I, I already have a few different places 
in my workflow uh, and some visualizations that we have uh, in dashboards that I think ggbraid would be an awesome candidate for enhancing those. So much appreciated to the work that Neil's put into this pack. Yeah, that's a visual I haven't used as much recently, but then when I was researching the package itself, um, we'll put a link in the supplements of the show notes to um, the vignette that he's put together for for ggbraid. And it shows a visual that I often see in either slightly different forms or the same form with NBA uh, metrics for say looking at game one of the 2018 NBA finals between Golden State and Cleveland. He has a nice, uh, you know, visual of the point differential between these lines. It looks like histograms basically, but it's a, it's a, it's a point differential across the time of the game and it went into overtime, but he's able to color code the regions by which team was winning at that point. So it's a nice little visual cue to kind of see the evolution of when when Cleveland was winning and then when Golden State was winning. So it was a great, great way to put this in practice. So I'll definitely be utilizing this later on when I have some more data to visualize. But it just goes to show you that an idea that we can ruminate on a little bit earlier can eventually turn into a new package. It's always starts small, but you never know where it can lead to. So Yet another great uh, extension to ggplot2, where it seems like every week we often have at least one or two packages that are mentioned, even if it's not in the highlights itself, in the packages section of our week, where we talk about all the new packages coming in. So great, great stuff from Neil there. And speaking of great, rest of the issue is awesome as well. I'll briefly mention that the uh, videos and podcast section has a whole bunch of great content and tutorials there. Um, one that caught my eye was a uh, Mina Chechenkina Rundell's presentation from the 2022 Toronto Workshop and Reproducibility that gave what seems to be one of the first kind of exhaustive overviews of Quarto. Quarto is the next generation publishing platform by our studio in the similar mindset as our Markdown, but taking it to additional extensions. And I'm actually playing with it as I speak as I start developing some materials for later in the year. But it seems like this is a start of our studio kind of lifting the covers off a little bit of what they've been doing with Quarto. And we'll probably be hearing a lot more about this at our studio conference later this year. Quarto is hot in the streets right now on Twitter, especially. And of course, I just ported my company's blog over to Distill within the last month. Because uh, I didn't know Quarto existed yet, so it looks like I'll be doing a second port in the new, near future. That's just how my luck uh, goes in terms of timing. But it does look like the power and, and the additional benefits that you get from the Quarto platform, the, the features that they have there, are are pretty incredible. Um, so excited to take advantage of those multilingual, um, all sorts of good stuff. So so check out Quarto definitely. I'm a huge sucker for a great data viz, as you know, and Albert Rapp has a highlight on four ways to use colors in ggplot more efficiently. And the cover image itself of the blog post, which is a ggplot alone, is just a really nicely done viz where the alternating text color in the annotation matches kind of the corresponding color of the line in the chart. So I definitely check out his work. You know, we featured him a few times here on the R weekly highlights and each time um, he puts together some great content. So lots, lots to uh, check out.
Very good. Yep. And there's a whole bunch more than just that. So where you can go, well, that place hasn't changed. It is still rweekly.org. Um, you'll see this issue right on the front page. You can also get a link to all the podcast show notes by clicking the podcast link at the top of the page. And as we announced last time, um, we are still obviously caring for of our weekly, but we are depending on you and the community more than ever. Um, so please submit, you know, the stories that you find online or maybe a blog post that you've authored to our, our weekly GitHub repository as a pull request to our current issues draft. And we'll be sure to get that onto the issue and have our curators take a look at it. But the community is definitely keeping, keeping the lights on for us as, as we go forward. So this has been another excellent issue. And Mike, for those that want to keep up with your adventures, where, they, where can they find you online? Sure. I'm on Twitter at Mike underscore Ketchbrook, K-E-T-C-H-B-R-O-O-K. Awesome. I am at the RCast. I'll occasionally be uh, showcasing my trials and tribulations with Shiny Dev work on the Shiny Dev series, live streams, and more content on the way for that as well in our interviews. So definitely thank you all so much in the community for listening to episode 72. And we will be back with another batch of our weekly highlights next week. Hello again, friends. This is one of those episodes where real life was definitely a factor in getting this episode out, and in particular our recording session. I want to thank Mike for his patience during what was definitely a little bit of chaos going on around me. And if you want to know just what that sounded like, at least at a glance, have a listen to the rest of this. Enjoy. Come here. Don't put that down. Oh. You can't bring a train up here. You know, he, he just became a daddy too, you know. The kid's a lot younger than you though. Yeah. Just a baby. You know, you used to be a baby. But sometimes you still act like it. All right. So Bruno Rodriguez, statistician and fellow producer of awesome R content on YouTube, makes another appearance on our weekly highlights with the announcement of his new R pack. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, let me play with tools. You're going to do this too? Come on. Go back. Go back. Okay. All right. <laughs> all, right. all right. Guys, guys, guys. Keep keep on that side, all right. Oh my goodness. Okay. Where am I? <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay.